This morning's passage, a long one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is also a pretty familiar one to you, right? I would suspect. So let's look there at 1 Corinthians 13 and follow along in your Bibles as I read it. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not eagerly angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let us pray together. Father, we pray that you would take this word and apply it to our hearts. I pray that you would use me to speak your truth. I pray that you would cause me not to speak anything that would be contrary to your word. Now we ask, feed us by your word. Feed us by Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. It may be the fear of every baker. He's done everything he thought he needed to prepare his specialty. His homemade blueberry muffins. He thought he did the same things he's always done to make this neighborhood and family favorite. But everyone that's munching on him has this awkward smile on their face. And the only comments he's getting are things like, Hmm, that's interesting. Or, wow, that sure is something. You've heard that one before probably. Something was missing. An essential ingredient mixed up. And he had come to find out that instead of using baking powder, he'd actually use salt. Way too much salt. And it had ruined his specialty muffins. If you've ever done any baking, you know that ingredients are important. It's everything to, to baking. Ingredients. I once baked some biscuits. And I accidentally put three tablespoons of salt instead of one half of a teaspoon. And that changed everything. It was terrible. Only worth throwing away in the trash. You see, if we, if we get the ingredients wrong or mixed up, if we leave out an essential ingredient, then everything will be ruined. In our text today, Paul teaches the Corinthians that the essential ingredient to using their spiritual gifts is love. If they leave that out, their service is worthless. If they get it mixed up, 
then their spiritual gifts have been rendered worthless. And they might as well just throw them all out. Many of you are familiar with this great chapter of the Bible. You've read it many times, no doubt. You've heard it many times. But have you ever noticed its context? Have you ever noticed that it's directly related to the spiritual gifts? It's right in the middle of Paul's discussion about the spiritual gifts used, how you should use your spiritual gifts. So Paul gives several examples of the importance of love in using our spiritual gifts. He does that in verses 1 through 3. He describes what love is and what it isn't, what it does and what it doesn't do in verses 4 to 7. And then finally he points to one of the reasons why love is so important in the use of the spiritual gifts, verses 8 through 13. Namely, because all those spiritual gifts will cease, love never ends. So the, the, the love chapter is all about spiritual gifts. It's all about how we use our spiritual gifts. So this morning we'll look at these three sections with the aim of understanding this, just how important love is in our service, in, in the use of our spiritual gifts. That we would come to a better understanding of what love is in order that we might examine our own service, examine our own hearts and our own love and to compare it with Scripture. We should be asking ourselves throughout this message, what is missing from my service? What is missing in my love that God would have me add in? First, we should understand that love is the essential ingredient in all of our acts of service in the use of our spiritual gifts. Verses 1 through 3, Paul mentions three types of spiritual gifts and he shows what these gifts are like without love. First, He talks about speaking gifts. Second, gifts of understanding, knowledge, and faith. And third, uh, he talks about gifts of sacrifice. But notice that each of these are separated from the essential ingredient. Notice the repeated phrase that Paul uses, but have not love. He's signaling to us that this is a must in all that we say, think, or do, or it will be worthless. Now, Paul doesn't explain what he means here by the tongues of men and angels, but probably he's talking about having the supernatural supernatural ability to speak in different languages so that the gospel can get out. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 1, all the apostles were together. They were filled with the Spirit. Flaming tongues came on them, and they preached the gospel. They preached the gospel in such a way that People from all kinds of other countries heard them in their own language. It was a miracle. It was supernatural. It was the gift of tongues or languages. Paul's words apply to to gifts today too, though. I think this applies to any kind of gift which shows itself in speaking or in singing the, the audible gifts that we have. So he might would say, if I can speak in such a way to gain the attention of everyone in the room, everyone's hanging on my every word, if I can sing with the most beautiful voice which causes everyone to just close their eyes and listen, if I have these gifts but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Even the most beautiful voice sounds like awful racket if it doesn't spring forth from a heart of love. Singing without love, speaking without love, teaching without love, is like scratching fingernails down a chalkboard. 
It's like the sound of a barking dog at 3 a.m., right? It's annoying. It, it gets on your nerves. If we use our gifts in this way without love, then it's not beneficial to the church. And it actually becomes annoying to those around us. They see that it doesn't spring from a heart of love. In the same way, if someone has gifts of knowledge or of faith but has not love, they are nothing. Paul said that. They are nothing. I don't know about you, but if I saw someone just by their faith move a mountain, I would think that they were, they were something, right? They're pretty amazing. But Paul says, even if someone can overcome the impossible by their faith, even if they know all kinds of mystery, if they, if they don't have love, they're nothing. And in verse 3, look at what Paul says. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. The truth of the matter is this. Some people spend lots of time and energy and money serving others, because they think they're accumulating treasure in heaven. Now that's something we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to store up our treasure on earth. We're supposed to store it in heaven. So some, by their service to others, drop coin after coin into their heavenly piggy bank. But what they don't realize is there's a hole in the bottom of it because they're not motivated out of love. All of their deeds of service are going for nothing. They count for nothing because they're doing it out of selfishness or pride or the praise of others. If I sacrifice all I have, even my life for others, but have not love, I gain nothing. Friends, let us examine our service in light of this truth. Examine your service in the choir. Examine your service in teaching or working with children. Examine your service in, on the kitchen team or in the the outreach team, or in your acts of service for others? Are you missing something? Are you missing the main ingredient? Love. Is your service worthless because you've left out the heart of love for others? And if so, that's an important find. That's, there's hope because you've recognized it. And starting today, you can start mixing in love. You can start... Praying to God, Lord, I recognize that I am not doing this out of love, but out of pride or selfishness. Help me to love others. Help my service to spring from a heart of love for others. Let's not just love in word, but in deed and in truth. But what is love? That should be what, what's gnawing at our minds after reading that our service should be motivated, should be interwoven with love. If I have to have love in my service for it to be useful, what is love? How do I serve in such a way as to not leave love out? Paul tells us what love is, what it isn't, what it does, what it doesn't do in the next set of verses, verses 4 through 7. So if you need a visual of this, just make a chart in your own notes with four columns. What love is, what love isn't, what love does, what love doesn't do. He lays it all, all out right there. And what you'll see is that Paul talks a lot more about what love isn't than what love is. There are just two words that Paul uses to describe what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now that love is patient isn't referring to like when you're waiting, waiting around for somebody. You have to be patient, so you're just waiting for them. It actually means that, that it forbears injuries 
and offenses that are done to you from others. It, it absorbs those things. It's not quick to take offense. Instead, love says, maybe she didn't mean it like I heard it. Maybe she's frustrated and had a really hard day. It's not quick to take offense. It forbears those things. If someone wrongs you, you are ready to forgive. You're ready to love. Love is patient and kind. It's not quick-tempered or demanding. It's kind. Think about how you use your spiritual gifts. Do you use them with patience towards others? With kindness? And if these positive descriptions of love don't get us, surely the negative ones will. Each one of us will recognize ourselves in these love does not do this. We'll recognize we've done it. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Listen to this one. Love does not insist on its own way. And yet how often in working with others, using our spiritual gifts, do we insist that it must be done my way? That we must do it my way or I'm out of it. I'm not going to participate anymore. And that's not love. Love is not easily irritated. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice with wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, we can't take time out to delve into all the details of each of these words and what they mean, but I do want to look at one of them. Love bears all things. Another way you could translate this is, love covers all things. It sounds similar to what Peter said in 1, Timothy, uh, 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers what? You've probably heard it. A multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now at Chick-fil-A, their playgrounds have one of the best features anyone could have come up with. You know what it is? It's that wonderful invention that has come from heaven above, soundproof glass. Right? You can sit right beside the playground and not hear a thing. There's all kinds of screaming and wild racket going on, but you can't hear a thing. It's silent. One commentator has said this about love. Love is the virtue that throws the cloak of silence over what is displeasing in another person. Love is that virtue where, where if someone has an annoying trait or characteristic, something that just... Great on you. Love is the cloak that goes over that and silences. Love covers all things. Love is not ready to counter a person's faults against them. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we overlook sin, but it does we, mean we recognize that we are sinners too. It means we're more ready to forgive than to hold a grudge. It means we're willing to overlook the faults in others' personalities because we know we have plenty of those ourselves. Friends, if you haven't realized it already, love can be a very difficult thing. Whoever said it's simple to love God and, and love others? Whoever, whoever said, oh, Christianity is simple, you just love God and love others? They don't know what love is. Love is difficult. Maybe they haven't read this chapter lately. It's not just really difficult, it's impossible we can never love in this way. Which one of us, after carefully examining ourselves in light of verses 4 through 7, can say that we have perfectly loved others? That this is the way we have loved others? 
Not a single one of us. When it comes to our service in the church, when it comes to using our spiritual gifts, every one of us has failed to do it with perfect love. Just think about your own love. Think about, think about those to whom you say, I love you the most often. How do you treat them? Are you patient with them? Forbearing the offenses that they have done against you? We're prideful. We're rude. To, to those that we say, I love you to the most, we insist on our own way. We're easily irritated. We easily resent what others say or do. We have failed to love others as we should. If you're not a Christian, you should understand too that there's a reason you're not able to, to love in this way. There's a reason, for instance, you're not able to forgive that person that you love when they've wronged you. There's a reason you have a hard time being patient with others and bearing with their shortcomings, and it's this. You have not experienced the the forgiving and gracious love of God. How can you forgive others if you've never experienced forgiveness yourself? How can you be patient with others until you've seen just how patient God has been with you? You can't. And for us Christians, we know that we still have indwelling sin. That's why we struggle to love as we should. We do have the ability by the Spirit. He has changed our hearts. This is who God is making us into. Verses 4-7. through This is the type of loving people God is changing us to. So what are we doing? Are we fighting for love? Are we fighting to love others? We say we're a people of love, but if there's one place it should show, wouldn't it be the church? Wouldn't it be in our service to one another? Consider what your area of service would look like if verses 4 to 7 were put into play. What would change if you displayed this kind of love in the use of your spiritual gifts? Wouldn't we be characterized by peace, forgiveness, a readiness to get along for the work of Christ? And fortunately, that's what I've seen in many, uh, for instance, of our deacons' meetings. A readiness to love. A readiness to pray for one another. A readiness to, to continue discussing things, even if we disagree. Every time I've met with the deacons, I've been encouraged by their kindness to one another and to me, even in disagreements. Brothers and sisters, in the use of our spiritual gifts, as we're working side by side for for the sake of others, serving others, preaching the gospel, let's not forget the most important ingredient in our service. Love. A love that's filled with grace and forgiveness and patience and a love which is not only words, not only feelings, but a love which is put on display by our kindness towards one another. Love is the key to our service. And Paul shows us why. Paul shows us why love is more important than simply exercising these gifts that we have in verses 8 through 13. Here's why. The spiritual gifts will cease, but love never ends. Look at verses 8 through 13 again. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So these spiritual gifts, he mentions prophecy, tongues, and knowledge, these spiritual gifts are passing away with this age. They won't last forever. They are necessary here and now for our encouragement, for the building up of one another. But that's only because we know God in part. That's because we're limited. We're like children seeking to know God. Paul uses that as an illustration. We're we're like children when it comes to the spiritual things of God. He doesn't mean that in a demeaning way. Just that we're limited in our maturity. We're limited in our understanding. But as they grow, as children grow older, they become wiser and more mature. And a, a man doesn't think the same way he does when he was a child. And the point of this illustration is this. When we reach full maturity in Christ, when we reach our heavenly destination, when we are brought into the fullness of God's kingdom, there will be no need for me to use my spiritual gift of teaching to tell you what the Bible says about who God is. We see in a mirror now, but then we shall see Him face to face. We will know Him as we are known. We will no longer need to use our spiritual gifts of mercy. Who will need mercy in heaven? These spiritual gifts will come to an end because we will know Christ even as He has known us. Our spiritual gifts will come to an end, but love will never end. What this means is that our spiritual gifts are not just a means unto themselves. They're not just meant so that we can use them. Really, they are meant as avenues for love. They are meant as opportunities to express our love for one another. And as a result of this love working through these acts of service, our church will be strengthened and God will be glorified. Many things will pass away on this earth. But love never ends. Foolish is the man who builds a house made of straw on the coast of Florida, right? He knows hurricanes will come. He knows a house of straw can't withstand those winds. Only a fool would spend so much time and energy building something that wouldn't last. Yet many of us are guilty of something very similar. We know that this world is only temporary. We know that we ourselves aren't promised another day of life. We know that at any moment Jesus could return in the world as we know it would end. And all that is temporary on that day will melt away like wax in the heat of the sun. And yet, even with this knowledge, we continue to spend so much time and so much energy on things that will not last. On things that will be gone. In just a short time. We continue to invest in things that are temporary. On things that will not last forever. But friends, love never ends. What if we began investing in love? What if we began seeing our service as avenues for love? Our work, not just as a chance to to achieve things or to get money, but as an opportunity to love. What if we saw our church attendance 
and our church involvement and our church membership as an avenue for love. Then we would build a house of good works and of good service towards others for the glory of God. And if our deeds or service are the bricks of the building, love is the mortar that will hold it all together. And love never ends. Now notice how we have failed to understand everything in this chapter. We have failed to fulfill everything in this chapter. We haven't served one another as we should. We haven't used our spiritual gifts as we should. And when we have, we have done so not out of love, but out of selfishness or pride. We haven't loved others as we should. We've been impatient, easily irritated. Our love has been unforgiving. And we haven't focused on eternal things, but on temporary things. All of this amounts to sin, disobedience towards God. He made us for this, to to show love to Him and to show love for one another. And we have failed. We were made for a purpose and we have not fulfilled that purpose. But God showed His love in this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, in every sermon I preach, I make sure that I explain the gospel. It doesn't always come at the end, but it often does. The gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I know that some of you, whenever I preach the gospel, whenever I focus in on Jesus' work on the cross and resurrection, there can be a temptation to space out, to think, I've heard this before, I know this, now I can think about other things, or just rest my eyes for a minute. Don't space out here. Don't miss this. The gospel is the fuel which drives us. The law, everything that we've heard in chapter 13 is the law. And it tells us what we must do. It shows us the direction we go. But it doesn't give us the fuel to get us there. The gospel is what will drive us to love. It's what will empower us, grow us. It's what will move us along the route that God pleases that that pleases God. So think about this in light of chapter 13. Think about how Jesus fulfills each part of chapter 13 where we have failed. Jesus is the one who speaks the language of men and of angels. Ever since the beginning, when they were created, Jesus has been communing and communicating with the angels. When He spoke to men while He was here on earth, He always did so out of love for God and for others. Jesus understands all the mysteries, all knowledge. He has faith to move mountains. And of all His knowledge and faith, they were always motivated out of love. Jesus was poor, but He gave all that He had to those who were spiritually poor. He sacrificed His body on the cross and He did it all because of love. And His love was a pure love. He was patient towards those who had wronged Him. He forbore those who had wronged Him, those things that had, those who had sinned against Him. He bore all things, even the wrath of God. And He did it out of love for those who had no love for Him. But if you come to Him in faith, believing He is who He said He was, believing He died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, then you will be saved. You will experience the unconditional love 
the, the forgiving love of God through Jesus Christ. And He will teach you how to love others in that way. He will teach you how to forgive others. He will empower you how to love others. So that your service won't be just a noisy racket. But so that when you get involved in the church, when you get involved in serving others, when you get involved in serving the poor, when you get involved in using your spiritual gifts, it will be like heavenly music to the ears of God. Because it will be motivated out of a deep love for Him and for others. Brothers and sisters, friends, let's look to Jesus, who is love and who has displayed His love on the cross by laying down His life for His church. Let us love one another as we serve, as we teach, as we sing, as we encourage, as we have brothers and sisters over to our house to encourage them. Let us love one another. Let us not just love in words, but let us love in deed and in truth. Love will never end. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we recognize our own sin. We recognize our own lack of love. We recognize how many of the the things in chapter 13 go exactly against all that we have done. When Your Word says love is, we are not that way. When Your Word says love does not do this, we do this. We have sinned against You and our brothers. We come to You confessing our sins. We come to You seeking Your forgiveness, Your love that covers the multitude of our sins. And we pray that You would help us to serve, to use our spiritual gifts in such a way that bring glory and honor to You. And we wouldn't be building temporary things. And we wouldn't be investing in things of this world that will not last, but that we would be investing in those things that will last forever. Father, if there is one here this morning who has not experienced Your love, one who has not repented and turned away from his sins and trusted in Jesus to save him, then I pray that You would reach in and change his heart right now. That You would break him over his sin. That You would cause him to weep over his sin. And he might look to Jesus, who has all the grace, who has all the mercy that is needed for salvation. Father, as we come to this time of response, I pray that you would work in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together for our hymn of response, and I do pray that you would continue to respond. If you are in need of prayer, I'll be happy to to pray with you or to speak with you after the service. Examine your love during this time. Examine your service during this time. Examine what are you investing your life in? What are you spending your time and money on? Let's examine our hearts as we sing this together.